What is up? What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Ray. And I am so, so, so excited about this episode. Um, so the name of the podcast, just to let all my new viewers know, is called Wars of Women. And basically, this podcast is a story podcast. It's about different women and their struggles and their battles and the things that they've been through and how they have um, overcame those issues and they're doing, you know, much better now. So I am super duper excited for my first episode. I have a very, very close friend of mine. This is just, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just to give you guys a little, uh, just a little quick backstory. Um, we have known each other since we were kids. Uh, I would say like around maybe eight or nine years old. And um, we used to play together. We we used to go to the YMCA together. Like we were YMCA days. YMCA was lit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you grow up, you go separate ways, you go to college, you move, things happen. But um, we found each other again, I believe, on Facebook, and we just we right back at it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Nadia, just give us a quick, uh, you know, little introduction. Tell us sure. about yourself. <laughs> sure. Um, my name is Nadia. I'm born and raised in Florence, as my girl Lizzie has said. Um, we grew up together, um, got together, YMCA, the good old days, you know, when your mama drop you off and <laughs> she just like go on ahead and play, you know, during the summertime, just do whatever you do. Um, so it was kind of a tomboy growing up, but then, you know, did ballet for years. Um, mother and father, um, I have one sister, um, went to South Florence High School, then went to Columbia College, um, stayed in Columbia area for a while in South Carolina. Um, did my thing at a company called GIS for a while and then, um, came back to Florence. And now I work for Newcore Steel Darlington as an inside sales. Rep. So life is good. Um, I'm in a good place. I know we're going to talk about some, you know, other things and get into more detail or whatnot, but um, things are good. Life is good. Lizzie is my home girl. I'm so glad hey. we reconnected. I'm so glad we reconnected. Um, I truly believe that our friendship is God ordained. And um, I just could not think of a better person to share this opportunity with. First time ever of me doing a podcast. And when she asked me, I was like, um, girl, I know you got probably so many other people on your list that you could have called and can't do this, but it's such a blessing and such an honor to be able to share my story, um, share, you know, my history. And hopefully it can encourage some women out there. It can um, bring hope to some women out there because, girl, you know, for a while I thought I was a lost cause. Oh, hopeless. Listen, <laughs> listen. We, we... <laughs> but, but won't he do it? <laughs> I know. Lord, it's okay though. We, we made it. We made it, baby. <laughs> we made it. And I mean, there's still so much more 
um, you know, for us to do. And, you know, me and you, we talk about, you know, these girl trips and getaways. And, yeah. of course, 2020 can kick rocks at this point. COVID, <laughs> the election, everything is so crazy. But at the end of the day, um, I think what really keeps me going is knowing that I have um, a special circle. My circle is small. Um Mm-hmm. I feel like my circle is elite. And when I say that, it's not to um, boast or brag or even push myself up on the pedestal. It's just to say that I'm very selective about who I let in my circle. And I know that those people will have my back regardless. So, again, Lizzie, my girl, she's in that circle. That's what <laughs> it's all about. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to something you said that you are very... um you're very selective of your circle. And when I initially asked you to speak on this, I was kind of nervous because I know that you're not, you're a private person. Like you don't just put your business Very private. Yes. So I was like, Lord, she might (laughs) tell me no. She might be like, girl, I support you, but I ain't about to call. (laughs) So I was like, yes, let's go. So ladies, um, I'm not even going to introduce the story. I just want to ask you a couple of questions and Mm -hmm. then we're going to have open discussion and we will just go from there. Um, Take all the time you need. I'm not going to interrupt you. I want you to speak on what you feel you need to speak on and what would help other women. Yeah. Okay. So what is your story today? My story today. Um, like I said earlier, I'm in a happy place and I have truly um, gotten to a place where I can actually say I found joy. And I know a lot of times people kind of use those interchangeably. But to me, you know, when you talk about joy and then growing up in the church and being in ministry, you know, you think about the joy of the Lord. And so when people say that, it's just like, oh, it's so cliche. But it's so true, though, because when you're at a place where you can say, I have joy, like there's just certain things and certain aspects of your life that, you know, five, 10 years back, things that affected me, they no longer affect me the same way. And I have moved to that point where I can say, like, I have true joy. As I stated before, you know, um, being born and raised in Florence, um, coming from, you know, a two parent household, they're still married to this day, um, you know, having one sister going to South Florence, like life was good. I really didn't have too many issues um, growing up. I took, you know, dance lessons, um, was a part of um, extracurricular activities in high school, then went on to Columbia College to, you know, get my degree in English. So things were, you know, really good and progressing great in life. Of course, I had some ups and downs. I'm not going to say everything was perfect. Um, when I was in high school, I dated a guy and we dated for, I would say, probably three years. Um, he was a year older than me. And then we just kind of went separate ways in college. So during college, um, I can't say honestly, um, and like you said, I am a private person, but I can let this stuff out now. <laughs> I feel like I've been released <laughs> to let these things out, but um, won't get into all details. Um, you know, of some course. things you just take to the grave <laughs> <that's> <laughs> yes, <it. ma'am. laughs> or even your inner circle knows. And that's all who needs to know. But, you know, in college, um, you know, 
I, my parents did a good job of exposing my sister and myself to, um, you know, different aspects, different cultures, different, um, you know, religions, just all kinds of different stuff. So we were exposed to things. That wasn't my first time away from home, but that was my first time away from home in the sense of, um, not having somebody to, you know, tell you, you need to do this. Um, and not really having that structure of, you know, your parents telling you something, you're kind of out. It's kind of like that leeway between being at home with your parents and then out in the real world adulting. So that's that transition. And so when you're out there, it's like you kind of go through different situations. You see um, and meet different people. Um, they start giving you their insights on life and how they grew up. And so you have different types of experiences. And I'm not going to say that I strayed completely away from God, but it was just one of those times. And I'm sure a lot of other people probably have stories too, like when they left home or when they went to school or even went to the military or something like that, you deal with different people, you deal with different perspectives and aspects in life. And so it kind of shapes you and molds you and changes you. Um, and so after graduating, like I said, I went to um, work for a company called GIS um, right on the outskirts of Columbia. And um, I was there for about 12 years. Well, while I was there, <laughs> um, I didn't, I hadn't really been in a long-term relationship, like for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of met people in college, kind of dated throughout college. Had really had that one relationship that was a long term relationship. So um, now today, what I want to do is share um, my relationship um, that started with a guy at GIS. Um, I will not put his name on blast, um, mm-hmm. although he has a common name. I probably could say it, and nobody would know except for if somebody close to me listened to it and they put two or two together and be like, "Oh, that's who she's talking about." <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to do that. Won't put him on blast. But um, met this guy. Um, we were in a relationship for eight years. <laughs> eight long years. And I when know. I say um, some of the best years of my life, I say that because right now I'm 37. So if you think on that, yes, some of the best years or what should have been the best years of my life, um, eight years. And um we were um, we worked at the same company. Um, we would kind of see each other in passing every now and then. He worked in IT, um, and I worked in. Well, I started off in the disputes department and then moved up to the client relations department. But we would kind of see each other like every now and then in the parking lot and pass each other. So one day, one of the maintenance guys. Um, he was outside and we were talking and, um, he, um, my ex walked by and he said, do y'all know each other? And I was like, well, we don't know each other, but we, you know, kind of run into, into each other. Um, we're cordial. We speak to each other or whatnot. So he introduced us and he was like, you know, this is Nadia and this is, you know, him. And, um, we was just like, okay, cool. Like, um, nice to meet you or whatnot. So... Lo and behold, around this time, again, he worked in IT. I had some computer issues and (laughs) we were in passing one day and I said, hey, um, I know this might seem a little strange, but I'm having an issue with my laptop 
at home, my personal laptop. I don't know if you do anything outside of work. You know, I'm just randomly asking you this. I know this is off the cuff, but, you know, do you think you might have time to look at it or um, see if you can figure out what's going on with it? He was like, sure, I have no problem with that. So we exchanged numbers. Um, and then by the end of that week, we were actually having like full blown, like just regular phone conversations. I don't really know <laughs> how it happened. It just got to that point that we started having those conversations. And then of course those conversations bloomed into, okay, now we're talking on a regular basis. Um, you know, we're seeing each other, we're meeting up together i'm going to um visit him he's coming to visit me and so it just kind of happened um i wasn't really looking for a relationship at that point in time he wasn't really looking for a relationship it just happened um so that's how we met um and again eight years eight long years <laughs> What was the ages of the eight years? What was your age? Um, let's see. Um, just trying to think because he was actually older than I was. I want to say that he had me by maybe about five or six years. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he was older than me, so you know, with me being thirty seven now, he, I'm sure he's in his you know forties, early forties. But yeah, he had me yeah, um, by a couple of years, um, and you know, I've been out of that relationship now for almost two years. Mm -hmm. So maybe I was about thirty, thirty six, thirty five when I got out of that relationship. So when we initially started, I was probably 26, 27. So, yeah, again, like, you know, some of what I consider should have been um, some of the best years of my life. And the reason that I say that, not to say that it's not right now, but, you know, as women, we tend to think, you know, ahead um, in regards to our future. And we have a lot of pressures, especially from society. And I'm glad that a lot of us are breaking away from that now. But, you know, back in the day, that's all it was about. You know, you're thinking about, you know, getting married. Um, and of course, even before that, you know, possibly going to school or college or, you know, just getting your career off the ground. And then you're thinking about marriage and kids and things like that. And so, um, you know, not every woman wants that. I understand that. Um, and shout out to those women who, you know, they're strong enough to say that, like, I'm not a woman that's all about marriage. I'm not a woman that's, you know, all about kids. Some women don't want Absolutely. that. Um, and that there's no problem with that at all. Um, I, I give kudos to women who are strong enough and know in their hearts and in their minds exactly what it is that they want out of life. But for me personally, I know that for me, I've always wanted to be married. I've always wanted to be someone's helpmate. I've always wanted to be that wife and that mother um, and to build, a, you know, a beautiful home. So that's just for me personally. Um, so that's why I say, you know, during that time, it at that time, it felt like I was just there wasting away time. And I'm like, you know, what are we doing? Are we 
talking about marriage? Are we talking about, you know, going to counseling so that we can be ready for marriage? Do you want to have kids? Because um, another little caveat, he actually does have a son from another relationship. So um, during that time, it was like, you know, I don't have any kids. I want kids. But do you want more kids? Like, how is that going to work? We're going to be a blended family. And during that time, I actually did take his son um, into my heart as my own. So I never wanted it to be one of those things where he was going to be my stepson. No, he's my son. Like he comes with you. It's a package deal per se. Um, So I wasn't going to act like my kids were any better than he was. Um, He was a part of my heart, too. But you you know what makes me angry about that? What makes me angry is that he was a grown man. Now, see, I never knew that part. I thought you guys were the same age. No, no. He was a grown man. I feel like most men know that women, most women, not all women, like you said, but most women by a certain age, normally around 25, 26, we start wanting the family. We start, okay, I have my degree. I have a good job. Now I want to have kids. If I don't have them yet, I want to settle down. My thing is you was a grown man in your yes. <laughs> with a whole career. With a whole career. Like, with a whole career. Like, why would you ever feel the need to drag someone along for eight years, bro? You old. Yes. Ooh, that made me, yes. that made me mad. I ain't <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. The, 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 the first question I have is this. When did, it, when did it click in your mind that this guy is not really seeing your value? Because ultimately, that's what it is. He was not seeing mm-hmm. your value. When did it start to hit you? Um, it, and let me just say for the record, because I know there are going to be some women out there that will be like, why, girl, did you stay so long? And trust me, you know, um, like you said earlier, I'm a very private person and it has taken a lot for me to get to this point to be even comfortable with telling people that. Because, you know, at first I was like, I will never tell anybody I spent eight years in a relationship. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't result in a ring. It didn't result in marriage. Like that was a shameful part for me to come to terms with to just be like, you know, you stayed in a relationship for eight years and I know you saw some red flags. And yes, I saw the red flags. Um, There were signs. But when your heart is so attached to a person, um, your mind can already be gone from the situation. But when you have, um, you know, that connection, that attachment with someone, with your, like your heart and like all your soul and your being, um, mm-hmm. that is, it's pretty much what we call a soul tie. And that's something that mm-hmm. is hard to break when you in it so deep. When, um, you, you know, you're like, ah, oh, I see these signs. I know this is not good for me, but you just kind of disregard it and sweep it under the rug. But then everybody else around you on the outside looking in can see it. But they're also trying to be as supportive as they can be to be like, okay, she really loves this guy. She must really see something in this guy. And so, you know, even though I have a lot to say about it, I might, you know, say something, but it's not exactly what I want to say or how I really want to say it to get through to her, to see 
that this is not a good situation. So when I realized it was um, when I was still at, you know, my company, GIS, um, I was starting to become, to become very, very stressed by a lot of different situations. Um, there was a ministry situation that happened um, that caused me a lot of church hurt and mistrust in ministry and leadership um, and pastors and, you know, just a whole lot of different aspects. And, you know, we might have to have a whole separate podcast about <laughs> <laughs> that situation, <laughs> because you know all, yes, you know all the details on that. So that might be a whole nother conversation. But at that point in time, I was becoming very stressed at my job. Um, didn't really feel appreciated there anymore. And it wasn't just me; it was a lot of people. We were going through a transition with, you know, acquiring another company, and so it was a whole lot of stress with that situation. Again, a whole lot of church hurt with um, the ministry that I was a part of during that time. And then on top of that, um, my ex and I were just kind of going through a lot of ups and downs and it was just a lot of uncertainty. And I was just like, you know, we come, we come to eight years. Um, you know, I've expressed to you over and over again. I mean, we would have these convert. Well, it wasn't really conversations to me now that I think back on it, but it was almost like talking to a wall, um, I would pour my heart out about how I wanted to be married. Um, did he see me being the person for him? Did he see me being his wife? Did he see me being the mother of his kids? Um, did he see us, you know, waking up together, going to bed together? Did he see us going through life and being able to fight off the outside world to keep our marriage intact. I mean, I asked the hard questions. I wanted to go to counseling so somebody could ask us the hard questions because as we all know, the wedding is one thing, but the marriage is something totally different when you get into it. Mm. And yes, I've never been married before, but just being around couples like my, my parents and, you know, other people in the community that I cherish and I love and I see their relationships and how they have to work on it um, constantly, consistently, daily. Um, love is an action verb. It's something that grows. It's not something that stays stagnant. So you constantly have to work on that. And so again, you know, you have that wedding. It's all good on that day, but what are you doing after that day to make your marriage work? And so I wanted that. I wanted to go through that with him. But, you know, um, he he was the type of person that um, I could pour my heart out to him and I would get very limited responses back. And so, of course, that was one of the red flags um, that I can't talk about today is that if you have somebody Ladies, that's not communicating back to you or you're pouring your heart out and it's almost like they just either disregard it or they just kind of brush it off. Um, they don't really take your feelings into account. That's a problem when he cannot communicate his love, his feelings, his emotions to you. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there that feel like because I do things for you, that should show you my love. And yes, I agree because I just said love is an action verb. So yes, we need to be able to see people do things for us, care for us in a certain manner. But there's also nothing wrong with communicating that you love me, showing some type of emotions and some type of feelings about your feelings towards me. 
And I just never would get that in return. I could say, I love you. He was one of those people that did not feel the need to say, I love you back or to initiate that first. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was rough because you making me madder now because you didn't tell me all this stuff. I'm getting mad. Like, like we live. Like, we at? Like, oh, my God. I got to fight you, yo. Like, you trying to do a whole drive-by, sis? This is funny. Right. This is funny. I didn't know that. I didn't. That is, that is very... I mean, because you are like such a wonderful, genuine person. I can't imagine somebody treating you so trash. I, um, I, and you know, like I said, looking back on it, um, when it, when we first like broke, well, we had breaks before. Let me put that out there. Um, so the final time was like my last straw. Um, I had pretty much gotten to the point where, my um my mind had already left the situation. My mind was made up. Um, so my heart still was the last thing that was holding on. But by the time that I fully realized that he was not taking me seriously, he did not value my worth. Um, he did not value me for me. My heart was, you know, completely broken. I was over it. I was done with it. Um, you know, when they talk about how, you know, when a, a woman is scorned and, you know, when she finally leaves that last time, it's like finally for herself. She knows that she's not coming back. I finally got to that yes. point of freedom. And I say freedom because, again, there was a big attachment. This this is eight years of my life that we're talking about that I had fallen in love with this man. I love this man. Um, again, I had, you know, kind of taking his son into my heart as, um, my own, I had met his family, um, was really close to his mom and his dad, his siblings, um, you know, calling his mom on my own. And I'm talking about like, you know, him not even being around. I'm talking about when I was in my apartment, you know, thinking about his mom, just calling her randomly, um, just talk and yes. having conversations with her because you know he grew up in the church too and his parents were um a deacon and deaconess just like my parents are and so you know i had that connection with her and you know eventually calling her mom calling him dad you know the whole nine yards but it's just like at a certain point um i can't just keep continuing to play house with you i can't just keep continuing to um you know, put those feelings out there and those emotions out there. Um, like I'm headed to being your wife when in your mind and your heart, you can't even commit to that. Um, to me, to be able to say that out loud or to let me know that that's where we're headed. So, um, the last straw for me was, um, like I said, I had, uh, wait, before, hold on, before you get there, do you? No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, say because I got a question. So, because um, I wanted to answer your question when you said, when did I finally realize it? Okay. I realized it when um, I had my apartment. My lease was um, coming close to an end where I could, you know, end it or renew it. Um, I had the church hurt situation. I wasn't happy at my job. Um, by that time, I was actually commuting back and forth between um Florence and Columbia because when um they couldn't work with me on my lease and girl these apartments are off the chain they boy they they try to take all your money every year they go up 
um, you know, I just oh, went nah, off we on, a, on a tangent with that. But girl, yes. So they wouldn't work with me to keep it the same amount. So I was like, okay, I'm moving back home. So at that point, I was actually commuting back and forth. And I would commute to Columbia, work there two days a week. And then Wednesday through Friday, come back to Florence and work from home. My supervisor was super chill with that. Um, after a while, I just got tired of it. I said, you know what? I need to try and find something closer to, you know, Florence. Um, took a leap of faith. Um, got the job at Newcrest still in Darlington, where I work now. Um, so I put in my resignation at GIS and, you know, left. Well, when it was time for me to move back home, um, he acted like, it was a big shock that I was, you know, no longer happy and was putting in a um, resignation and everything like that. But the straw that broke the camel's back was he had every opportunity to ask me to marry him. Um, and even though I'm not a big proponent of um, living with someone before I'm married, um, I'm not going to say that I never would because I don't know what kind of situation I would ever be in. And I'm not putting anybody down who does that. I'm just saying for me at that time, um, that wasn't a, a, a big thing for me to want to have is to just live there with him. Um, although I could have because he had a home. He had asked for my input while the home was being built. So, girl, yeah, this this is the funny thing about it. Oh, you know, it was just like man. you asked me, you know, what would look good in the house, you know, while it's being built. I'm checking on the progress while you're at work. It was just all kinds of things. So I'm just like, you asked for my input. Like Damn. you knew that you wanted me here with you eventually, <laughs> but you never took the steps to make that happen. And so when it was time for me to leave my apartment, he could have easily asked me, you know, if I wanted to stay with him, um, you know, propose to me. He had never gotten close enough to my parents to even ask for my hand in marriage. So at that point, I was like, you know what? If you're going to not take any action to try and convince me to stay, to be here with you, to even marry you, then why am I still doing this? Why am I still trying to be a part of this? So once I moved back home permanently, we did try to make it work. It did not work. <laughs> And that was that was the point when I of was like, not. I have to give this up. I have to move on. Well, I, I'm glad that you finally got to that point. I think we both know that God is yes, the is. king of making you oh. uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like he will put you in these situations to force you out of something. And so I think that GIS was not a good thing for you because yes. God wanted you to leave. Uh, I think that the apartment complex situation was not good for you because God wanted you to leave. Um, he knew your ex. He knew his attentions from the very beginning. And I think that God was like, well, listen, she's not getting it. I'm trying to tell her, but she's not getting it. <laughs> oh, yes. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it rough and tough. But my question is, you come from a two parent mm -hmm. home. And I mean, I don't know your parents like that, but I remember just growing up, always seeing mm -hmm. your parents together. Like you never see your mom yes. without your dad ever. 
And so, which is a blessing because so many of us do not have mm-hmm. that and have never had that. So my question is, when you was with your ex, did you stay with him because because you didn't have dad right. issues. Your dad is everything. So it wasn't dad issues. Did you stay with him because low-key you wanted to have what your parents had like you just you just wanted to hold on to that belief and faith that you guys can be just like your parents like I mean what I know you said that mm-hmm. it's a soul tie I get that but I'm just saying like did that maybe play oh, a part absolutely. in it as well um that definitely played a part in it and um even you know like I said with his parents they were still together um his dad you know did pass away um, during our relationship. And that was like really a sad moment because like I said, even his parents, um, they were like freaking frag. They were pretty much like my, my parents, they were very, very close and had been married for years. Um, and yes, I held on to that belief. I held on to what I thought, uh, you know, as close to perfect of a marriage looked like with my parents. Um, I had that example in front of me. I had that, that prototype. I had, um, you know, their love and their support throughout my life. I saw how they loved and they supported each other. Now I will say that, you know, all marriages, um, you know, it's not peaches and cream every day. It's not going to be a perfect day every day. Yes. There were times that, um, I saw my parents, you know, have their little arguments or um, they would have their, you know, disputes every now and then. But it was it was never to a point where it was yelling matches. It never became anything domestic um, or domestic violence um, issues. It, it never got to that point. But there were times that, you know, they would have their little disagreements. But the thing that um, made me love their marriage even more is because they held true to the fact that you do not go to bed upset with each other. And my parents even actually took it to a whole new level for me um, with the fact that most of the time they didn't even hold on to it for, you know, more than what, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. I mean, it just was not that serious for them. It was like, okay, we didn't say what we said. And now we back to laughing and joking and talking. It wasn't even that serious. And now that we think back on it, it was probably one of the most petty things, you know, ever. But you know, nowadays <laughs> people don't have that in their relationships. People get mad, they get petty. Um, they hold on to it. You know, the wife over here in the corner thinking, well, I'm not going to break until he break. I'm not going to apologize until he apologize. And the husband over here in this corner, I'm not going to break down mm-hmm. until she break down. I ain't going to say I'm sorry because I wasn't in the wrong. Like, no, it goes back to communication. It goes back to love being an action verb. And if you seriously can, you know, let yourself be that upset at somebody um, and like I said, unless there are some circumstances beyond what we're talking about, if it's just the typical, you know, tit for tat thing, let it go. Like, let let it go. Let go of that mm-hmm. stuff. Because as we know, 2020 has taught us life is too short, way too short. But, you know, if it's something that's, you know, a little more in-depth that, you know, may qualify for that, you know, 24-hour period of the silent treatment. I mean, there are some situations that can be. Um, you know, a little out there, that's a little different, but I'm talking about like just the everyday, 
y'all just had a little spat about something very simple, something very petty. Just let it go. So, yes, I had that type of example of a relationship and I kind of held on to that belief that I could have that, too. And I think that that is part of the reason why I stayed with him for so long is because I had that hope that my parents had set, set a good example for me. So now I can have this, you know, type of love for myself. I can have somebody who has some of the characteristics of my dad. And how he loves my mom and how he shows her that and how he takes care of his family. Um, but again, those red flags popped up and I realized that my ex, he had some good qualities. I'm not going to say everything was bad. Apparently he had to have something good going for himself for me to, you know, even be attracted to him. But eventually um, right. I realized that it just wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And I will say this too, because this has become the the saying that I have for women in relationships. Do not fall in love with the potential ladies. Do not. Please, mm, please fall in love with the, the promise one. that God has for you. And there is a promise that he has. Mm -hmm. And like you said, God saw that I was being broken down, you know, close to the end of the relationship. When I say I cried more than I laughed or I smiled, there is no pain like the pain you feel when your heart is broken, when you beat yourself up, when you try to figure out, like, what is it about me? Like, show me, God, what's wrong with me? And if you have somebody that gets you to that point in your relationship, baby, like, stop beating yourself up because there is nothing wrong with you. It's nothing wrong with you. It's just either it's something going on with them. It's some insecurities with them or it's straight up. Y'all just not compatible. And like you said, God can see that. He knows that. And that's it, right. And at some point, he was like, I got to get her really, really, really uncomfortable. So I'm about to take her through some stuff that or let her go through some stuff that is just going to break her down to the point that she feels like she has nobody else left but me to look to, to pray to, to ask, you know, forgiveness um, for whatever it is she feels like she's done to just, you know, disrespect our relationship. Because you cannot push God to the side when you in a relationship. God needs to be the center of it. And, and, and I think that a lot of women do that. And, and one of my prayers for, I always tell God, I said, God, before you put me in a new relationship, make yes. sure I can handle this. Make sure I am not going to yes. low key worship this person because for you to be with this person for eight years, um, I feel like during that time, you, your relationship with God had to be kind of not how it is now because Spiritually, there's just certain things God will open our mm -hmm. eyes to when, when we're in tune with him. Like, it's like your discernment is on 1000. Like, you just know when something is not right. True indeed, mm -hmm. you started to get to that point. But I feel like maybe after the second year, you should have <laughs> been like, you know what, bro? You, you not it. Like, you, you, I mean, you cute and all, but you're yes. not it. Like, you got some stuff with you. But I mean, yeah. from what you're saying... 
like you said, you're describing him. This guy works in IT. We all know IT. They that's yes. money, honey. I, I used to know yeah. the IT guys when I worked at Verizon. Like y'all single? What's up? Mm-hmm. So, you got like, you got the IT guy. You got the nice looking guy. You have a guy that's buying his own home. He seems on the outside looking right. in like a good catch, but he couldn't even tell you, "I love you. I do want to marry you." Mm-hmm. He couldn't even give you good feedback, like. I can't. So do you think that maybe the relationship in the beginning, who initiated the relationship? I know you said that you guys just started mm-hmm. talking on the phone and you just started kicking in. It just kind of came that. But when did it become a full I think, monogamous um, relationship? And I think looking back on it, I probably pushed for it to be a monogamous relationship before he did. Um, and I'm not saying that I forced him to into it, forced his hand. Like I said, it just kind of gradually happened and got to that point. But um, it's, it's something that um, I feel like I kind of chased after. Um, and honestly, it's different nowadays the dating scene um you do have a lot more women that are comfortable with making the first move um because you know if they see you know a potential guy that they like or they have some common interest with the guy that maybe they've come across a couple of times it's not uncommon for us to take that first step or make the first move so, you know, I I will say, you know, looking back on things, I think that I was the one that pushed for it to be a monogamous relationship. Um, I kind of felt like we had, had enough conversations at that point to have that understanding that, you know, we genuinely liked each other. We genuinely care for each other. Now, do I think that maybe I should have, you know, actually sat down and had a serious conversation to just say, you know, I just need for you to be open and honest with me. We both weren't really looking for a relationship. We're moving to that point. But is this something you truly want? Because again, at that time, I wanted it. But then looking back on it, I may have been selfish in in the sense of not asking him, you know, are you really ready for this? Like, do you understand that I'm kind of at a point in my life where, you know, if we don't work out, it wouldn't be the worst thing because at that point I was young enough to, you know, not be tied down if I didn't have to be. Um, but at the end of the day, it was like, that's what I wanted. Is this what you truly want? Um, are you understanding that at this point in my life, I would prefer that if you don't think this is going to be a long term thing or if you don't think that you're going to invest the time the love, the companionship, you know, the trust, everything that comes with the relationship. If you don't think that you can commit to that, like, let me know up front because I really don't have the time to play around with it. You know, we can we can do this to see where it goes. Right. But if it goes beyond, you know, a certain time frame and we still just kind of dibbling and dabbling in it, this this ain't going to be for me. So I think that was the biggest mistake that I made um, in the beginning of the relationship is not truly getting a full understanding of was he really ready for that relationship. And that's hard. That's hard. That's a hard Mm, pill to swallow when you look back at something and you go, you know what? I probably could have prevented a whole lot of heartbreak and a whole lot of um, 
lost years. And I, I'm kind of particular about how I say that because some people would probably say wasted time. I'm not going to say it was wasted because I learned a lot about myself and a lot about relationships, but I'll just say there might've been some lost years. Um, Like you said, because after year, you know, two into year three, especially by year four, I kick myself all the time because I'm like, that should have been my turning point to just be like, is, is this really going anywhere or is it not? And to choose to walk away from it and just take my losses. But I'm not going to say that you should beat yourself up because I think that um, him as a grown man, an older man, he should have been emotionally healthy enough to tell you, listen, I like kicking it with you. I like when we do what we do, but I'm not trying to go right. with you. Like, I'm not trying to be serious. Instead of him being a man and saying that, I feel I feel like he feels like that maybe you were just naive and young, and he kind of took advantage of that. Like, you were the victim to me. I can't sit here and say that, oh, you know, no, you, you should have known better. Yeah, maybe true if you were you had that type of relationship with God at that time. But at the end of the day, you were the victim. He was a grown man. He should have <laughs> known better, period. If you knew you That's didn't want me, true. you should have told me that. <laughs> so you were the victim. Don't you feel bad? <laughs> oh, gosh. Girl, you were I want to beat him up. I want to beat him up, but... <laughs> It's just because it's so many women that go through this and you are so bold because you have to understand. Yes, you gave this man eight years, but there are women out here older than us. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Men 20 and 30 years. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Like, and so... I mean, and that's my thing. Like, you know, if you if you're comfortable with that, because like I said before, some people are comfortable with that. Some people do not want, you know, marriage. They don't want kids. They are fully comfortable with having, I I guess, what you would call maybe a life partner or somebody that, you know, they feel the same way. They don't want marriage. But again, if people have those conversations up front, I have no issues with that. I'm I'm not going to downplay that. I'm not going to say that your relationship is not um, worth what another relationship is if those people were actually married. Because at the end of the day, you know, the marriage certificate is just that. It's a piece of paper. Um, when you get married, you make those vows and you make that covenant with that person and you make it before God, your family, your friends, the higher powers that be, you know, some people might not believe in God, but you, you still make vows and a commitment to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be the same way with those people who are comfortable with, you know, well, I've been with this, you know, guy for, you know, 15, 20, 30 plus years. We good doing what we do. That's fine. I don't know. Nobody for doing that. But my whole issue is people have to be able to communicate that from day one, if I'm coming into something um, and there's an expectation on my end that we will eventually be married, may have kids, may not have kids, like all of that needs to be in the conversation. Um, if not from day one, at least within the first, you know, couple of months to a year, like y'all really should be getting to know each other. You should be knowing what his habits are. He should be knowing what your habits are like. 
that's what it boils down to is that communication piece. So again, for those situations, if those two people come to each other and they're fully honest and say, you know what? Marriage is not for me. I don't want to be tied down like that. I want to be able to file my own taxes <laughs> separately from you. Like, you know, there's right. benefits that, you know, there's benefits to us remaining, you know, not married, but still being together or living together. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if they have those conversations up front, that's fine. But you, you can't go into relationships, you know, two or three years down the road. And then all of a sudden you find out, this person didn't want to be married to begin with. I mean, you can't go three or four years down the line craving or wanting to be a mother or have, you know, two or three kids. And this dude come up to you and he like, nah, I thought we had to understand that we weren't going to have kids. I don't have time for that. Or come up to you and say, mm. well, you want three. I only mm. want one. I mean, that people forget that you have to ask the hard questions. You have to ask those questions. And the man that I'm with now, a wonderful guy. Uh, we've had those discussions about marriage, about kids, about how we would raise our kids. But again, those are the kind of conversations you need to have. You need to um, have those hard conversations and ask those hard questions. Well, baby, if um, something happens with me where I'm, dis- where I'm disabled and I can't work, will you be able to hold down the fort? Take care of me, take care of me and these kids. Mm. Vice versa with the man. Things can happen with men all the time. They're out there. They try and be strong and protective. But what if something happens to him and he becomes disabled? Am I going to be able to hold down the house and maintain my my sanity, help with the kids, help him, you know, take care of the bills? Like, those are hard questions that people have to ask. So, again, to go back to, you know, my ex or whatnot, I I just kind of feel like there was a lot of time that passed before I started to kind of try to have those tough conversations with him to try and get on track. And make sure we were both on the same page. So that's one of the important things that I learned about relationships is like you have to get that information out, you know, up front or within like the first at least year or two. Because you really need to know what you're working with and what that person, um, what their mindset is, what their future seems like. Because you know how you have that job interview and I know you have to interview a lot of people or you have interviewed people before and we've all had that that question in an interview where people go, mm-hmm. uh, where do you see yourself in in two years? Where do you see, your, if I mm-hmm. hire you today, where do you see yourself in five years in my company? Or where do you see yourself in 10 years? Do you even still see yourself with my company? You know, people get down and dirty with that question and a lot of times you just sitting there like a deer in headlights like, oh, I didn't expect that, but you know, and yeah, uh, it I love that look. Because it's like you got to think quick on your feet. Because it's like I don't, you know, you thinking in your head like, man, I just need the job. I don't even know if I'm gonna be here in two years. I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of equate that to in a relationship, you know, like that. You need to ask. That's one of those hard questions that if the person is. If you and the person have been dating for a while and, you know, even even once it gets to like that one year mark or two year mark, if you ask that question and that person has that, you know, deer caught in the head, like, look, 
that that might be a, a red flag. It might not be a big one, but it should it still should be at least a minor red flag to just be like, oh, okay, so what's your thoughts on where we going with this? Because if they can't really communicate and tell you or express what they feel, that that's kind of a problem. So that's one of those questions that, yeah, we're going to take that question from the job interview and apply it to my relationship. So where, where do you see us in the next, you know, two years? Where do you see us in the next five years? Where do you see yourself? Because, again, we worked at the same company. But what if, you know, he ends up finding a better job in, um, you know, Charlotte or um, that would just take us, you know, completely across the country or whatnot well we're in a relationship but do you do you plan do you plan on taking me with you do you plan for us to get married before you do that is is that something you're going to discuss and i'll have any input in it or is that a decision you just gonna make on your own and just say you know you can come or you can get left behind like those are the hard questions that you have to to ask to know where that person stands it's a must Absolutely. You are dropping. Well, you have dropped so many jewels, so many jewels. Um, I definitely think that, you know, <laughs> so many women, they're going to heal. They're going to learn so much from this um, because, you know, forget him. I'm just <laughs> I'm glad that you got away from him. I'm glad that you found yourself because I know that dark place. People don't understand depression in a bad relationship. And not that the relationship was bad, but just depression of knowing that the person that you love and thought you were going to be with forever, mm -hmm. that it is all basically a lie. Um, that can be a very dark time. Some people don't make it. Some people don't make it. There's, there's a lot of people out here that commit suicide, Ooh, that literally girl. lose their minds Talk about over it. bad relationships or it. broken hearts. And you made it. You made it. But I remember at that time you being in a very dark place. Um, I don't know how dark, but I know that you just, I knew mm -hmm. you weren't happy. Like I would feel it. Like you're not happy. Be and so you, you overcame that. Um, where are you now? Like, what is, what was, tell me about your new relationship. Tell me about what you have to look forward to as someone that's free and as someone that was in a relationship. Now girl, let me go ahead and tell you so much. I was already cheesing and I am, <laughs> and they probably going to be like, Oh, homegirl switched it up. Her voice got light and airy. I can hear her smiling because as soon as you said, let's talk about the new relationship girl. I'm over here. Like, all in love <laughs> and I got little hearts floating around my head and I'm just like oh, oh there's this God, guy so he's such an awesome guy but um <laughs> to wrap to wrap up you know my past so we can't talk about my present um I just do want to say that you are definitely right um I had you along with people in my inner circle that could just tell how miserable I was and the type of pain and depression that I went through was you know that type of pain where you hurt so much and you cry so badly that it's like I just didn't even think I had any more tears left but they continue to come and then you end up on the floor knotted up in a ball like you know it's just like 
I just want to disappear oh. for a while. You know, that's 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 where I oh, was. Yeah. And I really had to heal from that. Um, I really had to stop mm-hmm. beating myself up. Because like you said earlier, you know, I no longer beat myself up. But for a long time, I did. And it, it, did, it wasn't a good feeling because all I could go back to um, thinking was, you're so stupid. You stayed in it way too long. Um, people, you know, when you talk about eight years, people will always think, well, what was she thinking? Why did she stay that long? Did she not see the signs? Um, sis didn't get a ring. Like, you know, it's, it's just things that I beat myself up over and over again about. And the worst part about it is when somebody breaks you down so low, to the point where you question yourself every day. Like every day that I woke up, it was a constant feeling of um, depression in my heart to just be like, I gave this man eight years. I gave him the best type of love that I thought I could. Um, I was selfless. Um, I basically, you know, I was doing what most people tell you not to do. I was doing the wifely type things for him. And was not even looked at in that manner by him until the very end. Um, and let me just put let me just put that out there too. Mm, you have, I remember that when you have somebody that you yes, have please. shut them down, and you said, "Look, this is not going to work. Uh, I'm not in this. I'm out. Like I'm I'm done." And like I had said before, we had two other small breaks in our relationship and I went back each time. So this third time he still has that mindset of she'll be back. It's just going to take a minute. Or if I can say the right things and offer her what it is that she really wanted anyway, I'll have her eating out the palm of my hand again. So I had already left the situation. Mm. Like I said, mind was already gone. Heart had finally broken away. I was free. But this is how crafty the enemy is because he bought him back into my life two times after I had broken it off. He actually drove to Florence and gave me all of these promises showed me on his phone where um, supposedly he had been looking for a ring, showed me on his phone where he had supposedly been looking up um, different wedding ideas and venues and things like that. The enemy, I'm telling you, the enemy is crafty because the enemy (laughs) knew that that's what I wanted all along. And so by the time that I had finally broken away and come back to God to like start fixing on me, repairing me, rebuilding me, replenishing what he had like taken so, you know, so much from me for those eight years, God is refilling me at this, at this point in time, restoring me back to my original place because I had kind of put this guy on a pedestal and someone made him an, an idol and our relationship an idol. Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm coming back to God and saying, you know, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm broken. Please make me over again. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. Heal my soul. Break off this soul tie. You know, I'm free from all of that. Here come the enemy wanting to put me back in bondage. Because you mean to tell me after eight years 
when I made it clear to you what I wanted, when you had the chance, that last ditch effort chance to make things right before I left to move back home permanently. So you mean to tell me after I come to my senses and come to the light, now all of a sudden you want to give me everything that I was asking for? Nah, nah, homie. That's <laughs> that's not how this works. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. good. Yeah, That's we good. Any of this work. Period. So, um, you know, that that I'm pretty much you. wraps up what I went through in my past. Now, the present. Oh, yeah, honey. It's all gravy. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't oh, mind yes. saying his name. Um, and I got clearance from him to, to talk about this today. Um, he knew that I was going to be talking about a very rough subject, a very hard subject. Um, his name is Joseph. We call him Joey <laughs> for short. Joey. Yes, that's they. Um, <laughs> so this, to try and make a long story short, um, Joey and I actually met in middle school at Williams. We were part of the pre-IB program. And I was only at Williams for one year. Um, he was there for that year as well. We had classes together. We had homeroom together. Um, we were um, friends at that point in time. Um, I did not realize it, but he had a major crush um, on me um, because he actually told me that he used to talk to his mom about me all the time. Um, I know he would probably kill me if he knew I said that, or he'll probably kill me once he hears this podcast. But whatever it is, what it is, um, you know. And I, I, I liked him. You know, like I said, we were friends or whatnot. We got along. We were very cordial with each other. Um, but after that year, we went our separate ways. I went back to Southside. Um, I, and then eventually South Florence, he went to West Florence. We had lost touch with each other, each other for years. He went to school. I went to school. Um, but one, um, Christmas break, um, I was home and, um, this was, I'm trying to think if this was like really when Facebook kind of started popping off. I don't really remember the years with Facebook and the history and all of that. But at any rate, um, we, um, my parents and my sister and I, we were out at the mall shopping and we were in Belk and we were just about to walk out the door on the mid side. And he was coming like through the racks and was about to cross across the aisle. And we both just stopped in our tracks. It was so funny. And my family just kind of stopped too or slowed down. And I looked and we both said each other's name at the same time. And I was like, Joey? And he's like, not yet. And I was like, yeah, how are you? And our faces just lit up because it was like, it had been years and we lost touch with each other. And so, you know, we gave each other a hug and we kind of caught up a little bit. And I was like, you know, I'm home. And he's like, I'm, you know, back home or whatnot. And we went our separate ways. So we, um, we reconnected on Facebook and we um, began talking again, strictly on just a friendship level. And I know a lot of ladies out there going to be like, mm-hmm, girl, OK, say whatever you want to say and give me the side eye. But no, seriously, it really was just on a strictly, you know, friendship um, basis or um, foundation. 
And, um, you know, we would talk and have conversations and, you know, eventually he was in his relationship um, and his relationship was actually about six to seven years, too. So he was pretty much going through the same type of thing that I was going through. It wasn't going anywhere. So we um, we would talk and it was more for support um, as far as like what I was going through, what he was going through. Um, we never even got to the point where we told each other all the details but again it was just like that support of just having somebody to just kind of talk to about just random things we would talk about um you know religion god um traditions um it was just really good to have somebody to talk to like that life in general and so um when um my ex and i broke up and um joey and his ex broke up um, again, we just reconnected, we continued our talks and then it blossomed into what it is now. And it is two years, I think something like that, or a little less than two years. Um, yeah, that we yep, sure pretty much kind of made it a official. Um, of course the first year it was more of like getting to know each other and reconnecting on a more intimate level, um, you know, past the whole seventh grade crush type thing or situation. But um, we we made it official after um, some months during the first year. And we're we're good. We're good. <laughs> are, we're, uh, we're really yeah. good. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> but you, you know what I love about what you said? You said that we took time to really get to know each other. Like, because I think that on the outside looking in, some would say, right. oh, well, you both were on the rebound. He just left a relationship. You mm-hmm. just left a relationship. But you guys didn't jump into something. You knew the chemistry was there, but you both took time to heal and then once you healed, you move forward. And I know for a fact you are happy. I remember when you first told me about him. You, yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Joey, if you're listening. Yes. Yes. She liked you from the beginning. And so and it's just it's weird how y'all just walked into each other's lives. Oh, like, yes. when I tell people God has a sense of humor, God is hilarious. <laughs> like, like he does stuff right, like that. Oh, I'm right. for my family. So and my random because, like okay. I said, we had lost touch, and <laughs> I just like I had no idea that he liked me um that much or whatnot. And like I said, you know, once we started talking and having yeah. conversations, and I found out like his thoughts and his opinions on things. And Joey is a very um intellectual guy. Joey has street smarts, um, but he also has book smarts. And that is one of the things that I can appreciate because it balances um, him out. It balances out his perspectives on life. It balances out his thoughts um, and how he moves. Um, And, you know, I can be kind of hyper sometimes. I'm very emotional and he balances me out because there are times where, you know, I'm just ready to jump off a cliff and he's just like sitting there chilling in the background, like in a chair, just watching to see if I'm going to do it. And then he'll just be like, you know what, girl, 
get your butt back over here because it is really not that serious. You know, you're about to jump off a cliff over something crazy. Um, but right. he um, he really balances um, me. Um, he really makes me sit down, calm my nerves and take the time to look at all aspects of the situation and not just fall off the handle. There are still times where I know he wants to drop kick me. Um, there are times where I want to drop kick him. And I will be um, honest, you know, and frank, um, because that's what, you know, a podcast calls for is just for me to be honest and frank. But um, there was one point in our relationship where yes. it was some days where I was just like, I cannot stand this dude. What do, what am I seeing in him that is making me like stay? But the the thing is, is because his character is so good and his personality is so strong that when he says something, he means it. And that's not to say that I don't mean the things that I say, but he will call me mm-hmm. on my BS and it made me so frustrated and angry because when I say this dude can read me like a book, basically I could go over to his place today and something could be totally wrong with me. And I'll try and put on a brave face, put on the face that the world needs to see that, Oh, it's me. It's Nadia. I'm the caregiver. I'm the one that a lot of people depend on and lean on. I have to be that strong person for everybody else. But with him, I don't have to wear that mask. I don't have to wear that face with him. I can just lay aside everything, every weight, every thing that's heavy on me and just really be Nadia with him. I can be open and honest with him. I can talk to him and say things to him that I may not be able to talk to my parents about. I may not be able to talk to my sister about because they wouldn't understand. I may not be able to talk to my boss about it. Um, you know, there's just things that he won't judge me for. I can say it and he is my safe place is what I call him. And I'm so thankful that I found that in a man um, where I don't have to put on these pretenses and just think that I have to have this perfect facade that everybody can look at me and be like, oh, she got it all together. She's perfect. No, honey, my life has been far from perfect. Um, Like I said, it was a good I've had a good life all of my life, but it ain't nowhere near perfect. I've had my ups and downs and my struggles or whatnot, but with him, I can, I can be myself. I can go and just sit there and say whatever it is I have to say and pour out my heart. And I know I'll get a response. I know I'll get some encouragement. He has that sense of being able to let me just talk without saying anything and know that that point in time needs to be my vent session I don't necessarily want you to say anything. I just want for you to listen to me. So he he has he has that sense about me, um, which is such a blessing that I can walk in and he'll be like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Nothing." Okay, I get I get it. You telling me nothing, but you lying to me. I mean, he knows stuff like that, so. 
to have somebody that you can depend on to be like your safe space, that's priceless. Because he took the time to study you. He took the time to uh, read his woman. <laughs> Fellas, if oh, yes, saying, yes, yes. I'm single, please do that. Okay? It makes, study it makes all the difference study in the world like when you have somebody like that can study play. you, like know you. how you move, know what your emotions are before you even know it. Yeah. There are things that um, when I say the connection on a spiritual level, and I'm not even about to get all churchy or preachy and, you know, like I said, I'm, like I said, I'm reaching out to all the women. So this is Come for on, all man, women, regardless of what you believe in, who you believe in, uh, you know, me for me is God. I know that there are some women that is, is, you know, it's the universe, it's the galaxy, it's, it's the ancestors, whatever you want to call it, whoever your higher being or higher power is, when you can connect via that higher power with someone on a spiritual level, that's when you know that it's real and it's right. Um, like I said, um, well, no, I talked about my ex growing up in the church. Joey grew up in the church too. His father is a pastor. So Joey knows the word. Um, there's some things that he knows better than I know. And sometimes I'm like, wait, huh? And I have to go back <laughs> and read, you know, those things. Um, he is so in tune with his spiritual side and the word that it is unbelievable and I can only give that credit back to God in regards to how we connect on the spiritual level there are some things that I will be praying about meditating about and the next thing I know a day or two later when we see each other again or if we're talking he says something and I'm like wait did I not hang up with you before I started you know my prayer session or yeah, it's almost like he, you know, God hears me and then God just passes it along to him. That's just how connected we are sometimes on on certain issues that we'll talk about. That's just like the other day I was thinking, I was like, you it, know, it would um, probably be a good idea because we've done this before. We hadn't done it in a while, but I was like, it would probably be cool for me and Joy to start trying to carve out some time again for like, many Bible studies, or at least, you know, some discussions on what we think about the word. Um, they have some deeper discussions on his thoughts on certain parts of the Bible, my thoughts on certain parts, because at the end of the day, for us to say we want to be married, we we have to know how our household is going to be, that we're compatible, um, that we're equally yoked. And let me just say for the record, ladies, equally yoked does not just only pertain to the word of God or um, your spiritual beliefs. It pertains to so much more in a relationship when we're talking about equally yoked. It is um, understanding each other's feelings, understanding each other's thoughts, understanding each other's um, passions, um, understanding each other's life goals. So it's a lot more to it than, you know, the word of God just talking about being equally yoked and you thinking, oh, that means me and my man going to the same church every Sunday. Oh, no, honey. It's a lot more to it. And let and, and let me say this: We don't religion shame on this podcast. Absolutely, I, um, we definitely respect everybody in their different types of religion. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, but me and Nadia, we do believe in the Christian faith. We are Christians, but 
this is a no judgment um, zone. And I love that you stated that the equally yoked part, because that plays such a major part in who you marry. So I'm glad that you girl, that yes. Up. That is it's that so is, much more. Girl, we gotta do a whole podcast yes. about being equally It's so much more to it. I, got um, I definitely about think that, that <laughs> me and you like, could, you know, have some future podcasts um on all different types of things. You know, we've both been through church hurt before. Um we're both at we're both at a point where um we're we're trying to break away yes, from ma'am. um you know traditional religion. Um, I tell people all the time that your relationship with God is much more important than religion. Um, it, I'm basically at a point where I'm kicking religion out the door because I want to study the word for myself and know it for myself and in my heart have something that I can lean and depend on and to build a even stronger foundation. Um, I will never say that I'm not thankful for, you know, growing up in the church or having that foundation. Everybody who has ever helped me got me to the point where I am. I can never discredit that. Um, but when you talk about the institution of church, um, th- there are a lot of different caveats that people deal with and it, it turns them away from it. And at the end of the day, we are the church. Um, you are the church. Um, God's spirit is within you. And like you said, we're, we're not being judgmental. If, if, you know, um, there are ladies out there who don't believe in God, that's, that's totally fine. That's your personal journey. But again, whatever you do believe in, um, just have faith in something that can keep you grounded and keep you level-headed, um, to the point where, you know, you can make the best decisions for your life. But yeah, girl, that's a whole, whole different podcast, but, <laughs> yes, we're definitely ma'am. gonna work on that in the future. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna put some stuff together and we're gonna talk okay. about some stuff because this but we got about 10 minutes left. I just wanna say um I'll okay. your, yeah. So, um, of course, I want to um, definitely fine. thank you for this opportunity to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, it is very therapeutic um, to talk about your past um, relationships. Um, but I posted something uh, yesterday on Facebook um, where I said that your past is not meant to be your prison. Um, you have to release you have to release yourself from your past. You cannot continue to live in it because if you do continue to dwell on it, continue to think about it, continue to kick yourself, um, continue to think, what could I have done differently? You will always be a prisoner to your past. It is just a point of reference to let you know that you can do bigger um, stronger, badder things because you, you are a strong person. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you're not. Um, as you know, and as we stated during this podcast, like it was a time where, uh, again, I was in a deep depression. I couldn't understand what it was about me that just would not allow this man to take the, um, final step or, um, a, a big step in our lives to, um, you know, be in that place that, you know, I wanted to be in. And again, it could have been a selfish um, issue where that's what I wanted, but maybe that's not what he wanted. And um, I, I will never um, know that. Um, I don't feel like I ever needed closure on that situation. I don't feel like I would ever need to go back to him in life and ask, um, you know, what could I have done better? What didn't I do right? 
you know, did you ever have thoughts of cheating on me? Did you cheat on me? Like those, any of that stuff that I was thinking about during that time of depression, I have moved past that because at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything because God allowed me to go through those things to let me be broken down. Let me have to bring my broken pieces back to him for him to mend me and mold me and make me into the woman that I am today, which is a strong and positive woman. I have a lot of love to give. And I'm so thankful that I have my inner circle to give that love and support to. And I'm so excited again, that you are part of that inner circle. We reconnected. Um, Joey and I reconnected. He's part of my inner circle. I have my parents, my sister, my extended family. And like I said, I have some other people within that inner circle that I can go to and truly be myself and not be judged. So I'm in a good place. I'm in a happy place. I'm in a joyful place. So I'm excited about what my future holds. Um, I'm with a great guy. I love him. He loves me. There's not a limit throughout the day of how many times he will tell me that and not just tell me that, but show me that. So I'm good, sis. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm good, sis. I need to be on a t-shirt. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I want to say thank you so much for exposing um, so much of yourself, not only to me, but to the the listeners, because believe it or not, I definitely think this testimony is going to change people's um, lives. I'm, I'm so, so excited. I think that your ex, and I hope that your ex lives with that constant regret that he let the one go. I really do. Because <laughs> just remember, hurt you low key, you're just like, I don't want nothing bad happening. Yeah. Dang, I just want you to, you know, <laughs> Just remember, like, I was the one, sir, but <laughs> I'm so glad you are happy. I'm so glad that you are out of mm-hmm. that situation. I'm glad that you had the strength to leave because so many women would not be able to do that. Like, you are way stronger than me. Um, I mm-hmm. give myself credit for leaving a two-year relationship, but you left an eight-year relationship. That is hard. And you suffered through like you didn't you you say, you know what, I'm a cry. I'm gonna have my moments. I remember you said mm-hmm. that one day you just kind of fell into your dad's arms and just started crying like you allowed yourself to be vulnerable. You allowed right. yourself to go through that pain, to process that pain in a healthy way. And now God has blessed you with a great man. And like you said, of course, every relationship has its ups and downs. Every relationship, you're going to get pissed off at your mate one day. But at the end of the day, you have a great man. He loves you. You guys are bonding yes. on a beautiful yes, level. Yes, they do. I think you even and said I have that met your, your his parents, parents like him. I love them. Just, Their mom and dad to me, yeah, yes, is amazing the um, type of relationship that he is um, developing with my parents my ex never went to the links to um do that he knew my parents but joey um has made it a point to um insert himself into their lives and um you know he's always um willing and ready to speak to them (laughs) and um have conversations with them he's 
so excited um, about, you know, trying to build that relationship with my dad because he's like, you know, your dad grew up or well, not grew up, but had um, all women in the house. So he needs, you know, uh, um, a man, another man that he could talk to. So it's it's just so funny. It's hilarious. But um, yeah, he's he's a great guy. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that he understands how important family is to me, how important, you know, my my friendships are to me. He understands that. And I understand that for him, too. And, and that that is such a beautiful thing. So I'm happy that you have a happy ending. And it's not an ending because the happy ending is still growing. God is still blessing it. And there's still so many big things that's coming. And again, I'm just, I'm excited for you, man. Like, I, I'm so happy that you are in a, a yes. blessed place. And to yes. the ladies that's listening, be free. Um, leave. Please, please be free. Just leave. If you leave, feel like you have be free. more days where you have heartache and pain versus joy. And I'm talking about like genuine joy. I'm not talking about the happiness that you think you get from, oh, you know, I'm supporting this man. I'm cooking for him. I'm, you know, helping him with, you know, maybe um, kids from a previous relationship. Yes, that that is that's good that you're happy doing those things. But nine times out of 10, ladies, we're happy with that because we are natural, natural nurturers. That's like part of our nature. So we are happy doing those things. But is is there mm-hmm. a full joy that you have um, when you see this person, when their name pops up on, on your call log, when they, they can send you a text, you know, they can initiate those dates and those texts and um, coming to see you and you not always being the one to chase after, you know, that person or chase after that man, like just make sure that it's the, the joy that you deserve. That's what I want every woman to get out of this today. Make sure that you're in a good place and you get the joy that you deserve, not just some happy feeling that's going to be um, fleeting after something happens that just kind of, you know, rips your heart out or breaks your heart. And then you got to find that happiness all over again. No, have that joy that you truly deserve. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And to all of my listeners, me and Nadia, we're definitely going to do uh-huh. a podcast. Um, we're going to do a soul tie podcast. Yes. Yeah, we, we're going to do yeah, a It's definitely things. going to be lit. And there's probably going to be some raised eyebrows, too, with some of the things that we have to say, especially <laughs> if there's some people that know us and they'll be like, girl, I had no idea you felt like that. Oh, yes, honey. Let me let you know right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I look forward to that with our busy schedules. Thank I'm sure you. We're find some way to bring this together, but thank you so much. This is the first episode. You're welcome, man. This is the first episode of Wars of Women. I am so excited. I can't wait to get this episode edited and on the market. It's going down. <laughs> <laughs>